Welcome back to another edition of the Rockcast, a podcast made by Rockhurst University students for Rockhurst University students. I'm the question asker guy, Chad Schnarr, and welcome to our first time listeners. If you're a student, alum, faculty or staff, or a prospective student, hopefully you get something out of this. If you ever have questions, uh, send us a DM on Instagram at Rockhurst University, uh, all one word. Finally, be sure to rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash rockhursthop. But here we go. With episode number five, we have finally hit the final month of 2020. It's taken us three years to get here, but we're here. And we're going to talk about the year in review kind of predictions for 2021, kind of a, a true or false with some predictions there. And we'll get to one of the topics that was submitted, uh, spring break. And that will lead us into some other topics. But first, let's have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, two participants this week, we might get some stuff from America and from Jarrett uh, after the fact that we may put in here. But for now, let's uh, start with you, Brianna. How's life going? Life is going really well. My name is Brianna. I'm a sophomore at Rockhurst and I'm majoring in physics and medicine. And so far, things are going pretty well. Good. And Vince? My name is Vince Rosquetta. I am a senior nursing major here at Rockhurst. I am a caffeine connoisseur. Uh, normally, I'm the coffee guy on the podcast, but Red Bull made it in. Red Bull, please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, life's doing great. Uh, passed one of my nursing exams this morning, so I'm I'm riding the wave, baby. <laughs> to get that sense of just relief after that, after you yes. find that out and it's over. Is it actually this one actually gave you your score right at the end of the test? So oh, nice. Still living in campus housing. How uh, yeah, long are uh, you there for? What was that? How long are you there for? Do you get to go home or? I'm planning to go back home the day after um, my last final, which will be next Thursday. I only live about 45 minutes from Rockhurst, which is close to where my off-campus house is. So going home isn't really like a big of a deal for me since I'm pretty much going back in the city metropolitan area. Gotcha. And Bree, you are at home. Yes, I'm at home. Feels nice to be back at home. I know I have like this map behind me. It's like a scratch off map and it's pretty sad that I can't scratch off any new countries. But one day, one day this is all over. Maybe my map will be more filled, so we'll see. Now, when you guys go home, is it different every time? Like, because you've been away for a long time and uh, maybe the dynamic with uh, your parents or whoever you're living with at home um, does that change? Does it get more difficult? Is it more appreciated? What's it like going home from college? Yeah, I would definitely say um, I'm a lot even more appreciative. I try to limit travel as much as possible. So this is my first time going home since I came in August. So um, it's definitely been um, an adjustment, but it's, I'm glad to be back. It is kind of hard having to focus on finals while you're in a home setting. So that's something that I kind of have to adjust to, but um, things are going pretty well. Good. Vince, any issues going home or all good stuff? No, it's good stuff, really. I mean, I only do live 45 minutes away from uh, or my parents are. That's a weird adjustment. <laughs> all, 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 your all the new students coming to college in the next few years, that's going to be one of the weirdest dynamics that first time you come back. Um, from college because you know you're like okay you spent you know six nine months being super independent you do everything and then you come back home you're like all right mom dad what's the power structure now like is it different is it the same uh but for me nah it's all good um kind of have this dynamic with my parents now where it's like I'm not it's not really like a college relationship it's kind of more like a more adult relationship with my parents it's more just like I'm here to visit not here to you know live here that's kind of where we're at Gotcha. That brings back memories. <laughs> yeah. After my freshman year, and I only got home like once um, freshman year. 
because I was 12 hours away. And that summer, um, I lasted about four weeks and my dad kicked me out just because of the power struggle. Like, oh yeah, well, I'll do this. Like, just go, just get out. So, yep. You go from into full independence back home and your parents, you're, you're still kind of young, you're only 18, 19. And like, I know a lot of people still have kind of structure, but then like you spent a, a year without it. Right. So, that, that first time back. Yeah. I'm on the other side now. My daughter's home from college and it's, I'm just going to give her her space and try not to intrude. But you just, you fall back into it sometime. Like, hey, put a coaster under that cup. At any rate, we're not here to talk about that. Let's get into what this year has been. Um, so I set up a scene here for us and it is, the scene is 2030, okay? You guys are around 30 years old. You're sitting in a cafe in Brookside uh, near Rockhurst. You're talking with some fellow alumni and a college student is your server. And she comes over and said, and you, here's you guys talking about 2020. She says, I was in second grade in 2020. I don't remember much. So what happened? Where do you start? Like, what would you actually start with when you're, you're trying to describe 2020 to someone? Well, first off, we didn't have any toilet paper for like a month because everyone decided to buy it all. <laughs> that, that, that'll be one of the first things for sure. My, uh, my grandma, she, she still works at Walmart as one of the elderly greeters because she's just a super social person. And I remember her, she, uh, she gave me a call. She's like, Vince, why are everybody, why is everybody buying a bunch of toilet paper right now? And I'm like, wait, what? And this was like, probably like the night before, like it blew up all over social media about like people um, resource living and getting all this stuff. And I just remember that was the biggest thing. I'm like, guys, I'm, I thought this little coronavirus thing was just like, oh, that's, that's over back in Asia. Like that's not our problem. It's not that big of a deal right now. Why are we all freaking out? Like it's the apocalypse. And then, you know, eight months later, we're here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, like that whole ordeal, I just, I never really understood that. And even if you were like going to have to go into quarantine or whatever the case may be, I mean, there's also more important things other than toilet paper, food, water, like all those different things. And so like the fact that toilet paper was like the number one on people's minds, it's just, it still bothers me to this day. My favorite, somebody someone did like the math behind, like they figured out the average so like use per time you go use toilet paper in the bathroom. They calculated the amount of time, you know, one super max box of toilet paper, bundle of toilet paper will last you. And like, he like took just one random picture off Twitter. This guy had like three of those gigantic packs and two different shopping carts. Like that amount of toilet paper would last you four years don't need all that right now <laughs> like, just... <laughs> it was just crazy i know like i know when the first time we went to the grocery store during quarantine we had two carts because my mom um she got food for my grandparents as well so we were buying for two households and so like it was so awkward like people looking at us in the store and i just want like disclaimer like this isn't all for us one cart is for one household and another cart is for another household so I feel like, especially in the stores, a lot of people were pretty judgy how much you would have in your cart. So it's just crazy how much that has evolved from the beginning of the year to now. It's crazy. Anything else stick out for you? Like if they say, um, how hard was it during the pandemic? What would you say? I think extremely hard. I mean, there's just kind of overwhelming. Generally, society, there's kind of like this feeling, you know, of kind of powerlessness because just this virus is just super sneaky in nature, you know, that and just like kind of a little bit of paranoia too, because you don't know, you know, where you could pick it up. You don't know like if that random um, stall door you touched or the one time, you know, you picked up something from the store that happened, someone who was COVID positive tested. Like, there's just a lot of powerlessness, I think, that a lot of people uh, felt in a lot of fear as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been very difficult. Um, even as far as like your lifestyle, you have to create a new normal for yourself, you know, wearing masks, social distancing, like that's not anything that we, 
expect it to happen yet that's our new reality and trying to navigate that while also being a college student it was very difficult um it was just I don't know I just think having to adapt to it all is probably what made it so hard and not having that control over your life as much control as you want to have you just don't have it in a time like this um and then like also like I would probably tell the person that um it was so much of it that we didn't know. And so that's what really made it difficult, not knowing how you can transmit it or if you can get it again. Um, there's just so much uncertainty within it all. Um, but yeah, but I also wanna say that other than COVID-19, that has also been, I would say either family households has really strengthened or they've been very divided. Um, and not only necessarily just with the election, but with COVID-19 in general, you have more children being with their parents being their guardians and you're seeing um more adults you know actually having the time to spend time with their children and whatnot um so i can kind of say it's like a, kind of like a good and like a bad thing at the same time just kind of depending on that household dynamic okay now out of all the stuff that happened this year if you could pick two things that stand out for you as uh, the first things that pop into your head and you know, obviously aside from what you've already mentioned, just is it a like a, a feeling that you had or is it the anxiety that might have been there or uh, like you said, families getting closer together, just that moment. Are there, are there any moments that stick out for you for the year? If you could pick a couple of those. If, if I were to pick, okay, I'm gonna, I'll go with like one serious and one kind of funny one. One serious one, I, I remember back, it was over, um, I think it was back when I was back for Thanksgiving break when um, Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, first announced that their vaccine was 90% effective. I think that, I, I, I remember watching that with my grandma, my dad in our living room, and like there was just this like crazy sense of like hope, I guess. We're like, wow, okay, we're finally getting somewhere. And that was only because, like, I just felt like we were just in this pit of COVID-19 for the whole year. And then we were, we were just ready for, finally, any good news to actually make it to the headlines. I mean, let's be real here. News is normally, like, negative, but especially this year. Um, that's kind of what we've been seeing. So just seeing that one little ray of, like, hope uh, for the next few months here that uh, once those finish up their trials and start getting distributed. Um, start taking away at dropping the cases for the virus and then I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go with right now actually while we're recording this podcast because on one screen I have you guys over here on my other monitor monitor I have Wednesday afternoon football Healers versus Ravens I forgot that was on this is one of the weirdest experiences I've had in my entire life Wednesday afternoon football it doesn't seem real and so that'll be my second one, just because it's, I, I don't think there's ever been a Wednesday game, Wednesday afternoon, it's just really weird for me in a year of lots of weird things going on. Nice, nice. Yeah, I would say for me, it's kind of like a low point and like a high point. So I would say like a low point would probably be that like, I personally have had to quarantine because I was in close contact with someone um, who had COVID-19 and on campus, whether you have mask on or not, you still have to quarantine. But luckily I was able to test negative, but those two weeks were horrible. <laughs> they were absolutely horrible. Um, and the crazy thing about it was, you know, although I tested negative, which was good, you know, I did everything right. Like it wasn't like I went to a party or I did something crazy, like I did everything right. It's just a matter of circumstance. And so, like, I would definitely say that, like, having to go through quarantine, especially on a college campus when you know your friends are, like, a few doors down or just, like, a building away, like, it was very hard. Um, and I would say, like, a high point throughout this year, I would say it was the last week of school. And um, after everyone leaves off campus, the only people that are left are, like, RAs, as well as a few students who still stay on campus. And so kind of like reflecting with my staff, like, wow, we made it like an entire semester. Like it was kind of surreal. I think some of us didn't think we would make it that long, but like we actually did. And it was like really just like a proud moment. Like, wow, like 
we got through this. Um, and so then being able to go home safe, knowing that I was negative was also a great feeling. Um, so yeah, it, it was definitely some, some of my key takeaways. And then watching boxing with my dad, it was very awkward because there was no one in the audience. It was just, I don't know. That was just like a funny memory, but yeah, it's just been a, a roller coaster ride for sure. Very good. All right, so now let's look ahead to 2021. Um, actually, I have down here 2021, the year of the blank. But if you were to go 2020, the year of the blank, what would you put for 2020? And then we'll hit 2021. I mean, it's, it's easy because it's obvious, but I mean, it's, it's 2020 year of the pandemic. Um, this is going to go down in history as one of like, you know, those most turning points for like something crazy happened, like night, like 1918, virus flu in 1920, that, that, that was a big one. It's going to be something like that it's, where it's a big landmark. Um, it, it, it's affected every little part of society and everyone in the world has had to deal with it. It's kind of hard not to say that that's what the year was about. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would have to say, like, if I have to sum it up, I would probably name it, like, the year of the divide, because with COVID-19, it has divided a lot of perspectives um, as far as, like, whether children should go back to school, election, um, police brutality, especially throughout this year. Like, it has been so much divide. So I'd probably say the year of the divide for 2020. Okay. So now let's think ahead to next year make a prediction on uh let's say we're we're talking a year from now 2021 the year of the what the bounce back the year of more of the same where would you put is it bad that i don't want to jinx it like i want <laughs> but at the same time i'm like Ooh. just knock on wood or something right knock on wood um I, I think for 2021, I don't, I don't think it can come up with anything catchy for like year of the, but I think 2021 is going to be like, it's going to be like a setup year because when starting the decade, you know, 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic, our response and is going to like, I think how about to put it, given that the decade started off with such a life-changing thing like coronavirus, 2021 will kind of be like, okay, how are we going to try to come back, build from here? And what we come up with next year is going to set up how the world's going to be running for the next decade or more afterward, if that kind of makes sense. It's kind of it's going to set things up because it's going to be like, okay, we're, we're dealt this, we're dealt the coronavirus card in 2020. And 2021 is like, how can we, one, make our world, like, make our world better or respond to that? So it's going to define, you know, the policies that we're going to have for all sorts of parts of life. It's going to dictate kind of like how society feels, how our outlook on life or literally everything going on with the world, um, economy, social issues, all of that. So 2021 will be the kind of benchmark, I say, for where we spring forward to the rest of the decade. Very good. I would say it would be a year of growth um, and be able to set like those those policies and that foundation so that the way we handled it this year, we won't have to have those problems in the future. So if we're dealt this card again, hopefully not, knock on wood, we'll know how to deal with it and we'll know how to go about things. Um, I definitely believe that like, as far as like growth, we see like campus life changing, we're seeing the communities change. And so, um, There'll be a lot of opportunities for growth and I'm just very interested to see how everything plays out. Um, but I don't know, part of me, I feel like January is gonna kind of feel the same like December, but like after the inauguration, I feel like that's where we're gonna start to see like which, we're gonna have a clear vision of which way we're gonna go. Um, so I don't know, I'm very interested to see how that all plays out as well. Okay. Any, uh, I've got some predictions here that I found on the interwebs, but any bold predictions for the new year, um, as specific as you want to make them? Now, I think growth and uh, you know, setting the foundation for maybe the next decade are absolutely great and I hope true. Um, 
but anything out there that like as specific as you want to be what what predictions do you have for 2021 i hate to have everything related to covid i'm gonna think of a different one as well but as pertains to covid as far as the vaccine i feel like a bold prediction i feel like there will be a vaccine however it won't be readily available to all of americans until probably the following year um because i kind of it makes me think about COVID tests and how they weren't readily available right in the beginning. But I feel like we're gonna see the same thing with, with the vaccine. And I'm pretty sure they're gonna be crazy expensive. So um, I would say we're probably gonna have a vaccine, but it's not gonna be readily available to everyone to make it go back to our thoughts on normal, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree. It'll, it'll be a little while to start manufacturing enough vaccines to go out to people. Um, Something that kind of brings that up is, you know, um, we kind of been discussing it in my healthcare ethics class uh, that I'm in. It's like, how do you ethically distribute vaccines? And I think that's more interesting. Getting a vaccine is great, but I think the more interesting question is like, how do we determine who gets it first? And there's going to be, that's probably going to be the next like big thing uh, with COVID. Like, okay, we did it, you know, we got all the news, you know, beforehand this year, like, okay, crazy virus, whatever. And now we have the vaccine. How do we distribute it? That's what's going to be the talk of the town, I feel like, uh, especially those first few months, especially when the first few shipments are starting to roll out. So I've got some uh, predictions here, and uh, we'll go with a true or false on these. And if you want to expand on it, please feel free. Okay, so here we go. Um, and I got these off of, I think, Fortune Magazine, their website. It came up first in the Google search, so I got to reward that SEO. Um, Driverless cars are going to hit the road for good this year countrywide. Now, they are some like Arizona and little places here and there, but it'll be commonplace by the end of the year to see driverless cars in most big cities. True or false? False for 2021, true for by the end of the decade. Okay. So more to go um, in terms of developing autos, but I, I definitely think by the end of the decade, I think they'll be all starting. Plus the public needs some time to accept it as well. <laughs> <laughs> there is always that. Um, by the end of the year, I would say false. Also because I don't think that's where people's minds are right now, like as far as like level of importance. So I don't think it's gonna be necessarily on the top of people's radar as far as like, I need a driverless car. Like, I don't think people are going to be thinking about that. So I would say false as well. Okay. Now, if they are available, would you, okay, so say there is one that goes from Truce down to the plaza um, and can go all the way up to uh, downtown to Power and Light. Um, would you do it? Would you get in a, a driverless car? No. <laughs> yeah, very different. Vince is trying to say like, yeah, and I'm like, no. I guess for me, I like having control over as much as I can in my life. And so <laughs> that just be so awkward. I personally would be able to do it. I'm kind of like the person where it's like, I need to see like millions of other people do it first before I can get comfortable doing it. Kind of same with the vaccine. I'm gonna wait till like a lot of people get it and then we're gonna see what happens and then maybe I'll get it as well. So for me, it's a no. I I, I can't. <laughs> um. I yeah. <laughs> I I would say yes. Um. And if and farther down the line, I can definitely see myself buying an auto like for like normal everyday use as well, like for personal use and go anywhere. So it's one specific route, but like it actually should drive me places. I would mind. I like driving, but not that much. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Uh, flip phones come back in style to the point where they're affordable. I mean, you've seen some of these that are like 2000 that, um, that open up into like a big tablet. I think it's Samsung maybe. I, I don't know who does it off the top of my head, but a smaller, more affordable version of the old flip phone comes back. Yes or no? Or true or false? Sorry. I'm pretty sure that one that you were referencing, um, people can get it, but it's it's technically only a beta version. It's not like the flan phone quite yet. They're still trying to develop it. And I just don't think that phones have a 
have a spot in the current technology market anymore. They really don't. I, I, I get it. They're trying to integrate the touchscreen into it as well, but it just sounds like a money pit. And it sounds like it would break way too easy for the mass public to consume it. So I'm going to have to go with a no on that one. Okay. Um, I would say false. <laughs> um, and I feel like um, it's kind of sad, but like a lot of people are like kind of like bandwagon. So unless the majority of people have the phone, they're not going to have any interest in the phone. Um, kind of like iPhones. A lot of people have it, therefore a lot of people want it. Um, so I don't think flip phones is something that people will want next year. So. Did you guys ever have flip phones? Um, I had flip, I think it was like in fourth grade. And then like in fifth grade, I had like a little slide one where you slide it up. And yeah. You got like Way back in the day. Say that again. I think it was called like the Razor or something like that. The one. Oh, like, Motorola Razor. Yeah. <laughs> where you can text on it. Kids nowadays would not. But. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have a Blackberry? Yeah. Were you? Blackberry. What I miss about the flip phone, and if they could do this with an iPhone, I would like it. But just the act of like, nope. And you shut it just that feeling of completion like no and then put it in your pocket i like the dramatic effect with that but anyway all right next up people will be less interested in politics in 2021 true or false false, false. really false. yeah i i've seen I think the interest is just growing and growing over time. Maybe it has a lot to do with our just generation, which is surprising because like, you know, a lot of older people will say like, mm, young people are lazy, you know, they don't pay attention. Da, da, da. However, like on the flip side of things, I'm seeing a lot more young people being active in politics or whatever the case may be, um, especially with the climate now, I think the interest is going to continue to grow. Um, and so it's just going to be very interesting to see how that plays out, but false people will definitely still be interested in politics definitely false uh, definitely like it, it's, it's technically normal for people's interests to go down right after an election because the kids finally resolve but i think with what happened with our um election here this year also go to episode three and four and go listen to our comments on that um but i definitely think people will be a lot more invested because a lot of people got really really invested uh in this last election so it's going to fire more people up so, so to the point where they start caring more about their local and state um, politics as well, not just the big national election. Will the media play, pay as much attention to politics as they have over the past few years? It's kind of hard because sometimes like you see things or topics where they'll make it political even though it's not but like the media or even just people around you would politicize it. Um, so that's the only thing, because sometimes things are heavily talked about, but it's not even political, but like people think it is because of the way it's um, spoken on. Um, I think the media will still keep up with it. All right, so getting into some of the, the norms that have happened uh, due to COVID, uh, virtual doctor visits become the established norm for most visits true or false um depends on the like visit like if it's just like a well visitor like you just start having like little symptoms i definitely think they'll be on the rise um i want that to happen because a lot of the, i used to float down to our hospital's er where i work at and i would admit people to the er and there were just some people who would come in like you really should not be coming to the ER for a cough. Well, pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> but um, little things like that, you know, like you have a fever here, some mild symptoms over here. Don't come burden the healthcare system more with that. And I, if you can get a virtual diagnosis or, you know, talk to a doctor there, I think that would be great. That's just, you know, less, if you have people who are lower acuity, like, treat them, you know, at a lower acuity, you know, don't come and burden the health system because that might be taking time away from someone who has a really high acuity condition or accident or whatever medical problem. 
Yeah, I would definitely say like limiting that unneeded interaction. Um, yeah, I agree pretty much with everything that Vince said. So. And Vince, you are the resident healthcare expert here. Um, <laughs> I wonder if it'll depend on the doctor's office too. Like I called to get a COVID test. I called my doctor's office, said I needed a COVID test. And they said that uh, we'll do a, a virtual appointment first on that. So I wonder if they'll take whatever it is and then say, yeah, we're gonna make this virtual um, and go from there. And maybe there's even a virtual, not necessarily ER, but uh, another example. Um, one of my kids was slicing cherry tomatoes and cut off part of her finger. And like, we couldn't get it to stop bleeding after about 20 minutes. And we're on that line of, all right, do we take her in or do we not? Like, I wonder if we could call into an ER, a virtual ER, so to speak, and say, look at it, here's the info. Is this bad enough to come in? You know, maybe we pay 50 bucks for that. There's, there's services that exist already that are kind of tailored to what you were kind of talking about there, Chad. Um, I know HCA, the um, company who owns the hospital that I work for, has a, a line where it's basically ask a nurse. And it's yeah. like that, where like, like, okay, I'm not really sure what I should do right now. And then they can give you some professional medical advice on what to do next. So uh, yeah. stuff like that already, but I think expanding that, because it's just a phone line. Right. So I think like an actual, like get your webcam up or just like FaceTime in or something like that. I think that'll be, that's an area for growth um for those specific like um offerings i guess from healthcare systems and i think that's actually really beneficial because they would they would help you know lay medical people to help with their healthcare decisions so i think that expanding that will be really good okay uh vaccinations okay the polls show that between 50 and 58% of people are for, uh, are, are saying they will take vaccination, vaccines when they come out. So putting the Vegas over under here at 55.5%, is it over that or under that for uh, how many Americans will go for the vaccine? I personally think it will be over that. It's just a matter of establishing that trust um, with the system and its citizens. Um, I definitely think it could be over that. It's just a matter of trust. Um, and then as far as like people who may not, I know you all kind of, kind of take into account like whether you have a certain religion or like belief that like, you know, you just don't take vaccinations. Um, I know that kind of can play like a significant role as well into people's this choosing whether or not to have a vaccine, but I would say over that percentage. I take the over as well, but like just slightly, like 60, low 60s percentage, somewhere around there. Spread won't be too big, maybe like 3.5. But um, yeah, I definitely think the over. Um, I think people are ready to be done with this pandemic and get that peace of mind that they haven't had since the start of the year because of it. Um, I personally, if, if I have an opportunity to get it, I'll, I'm gonna take it. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of resonate with that, so. Okay. Um, back to virtual a little bit. Most meetings in workplaces will take place over Zoom from now on. True or false? True. <laughs> True. It is, I'm not gonna lie, it is more efficient and like effective, like especially if you don't have to like leave the house or leave your, your room, whatever the case may be. Um, it's definitely more efficient and you don't have to necessarily, I don't know. It's just easier, just to say the least, it's just easier, <laughs> so. I think if there's any good this pandemic has shown, one of them is it exploited all the inefficiencies you know, in corporate America when it comes to all these random meetings and stuff like that. Travel, yeah. Exactly, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people also realizing that like, okay, we're not maximizing our productivity with, you know, the full, you know, nine to five, five day work week as well. And so COVID's kind of poked some holes in, you know, how we think about what, you know, office life is like. And so definitely, I think to help with those, uh, to help increase those efficiencies, uh, more meetings 
like this are going to be happening. Okay. Uh, three more here. Uh, face masks remain part of a daily routine through 2021. Even if they say that there's no mandate and the recommendation has been lifted, will face, face masks remain? And if so, when? Okay. Okay, now the second part does make a difference because like there's a mandate that's lifted. I think it will still kind of be kind of divided like it is now. Like we have a, a mandate, but not everybody wears masks. Um, I think for me, it would kind of be weird going from wearing a mask every day to not wearing a mask. It has been my level of comfort in the public spaces. Um, but I think that face mask will remain especially when you get to like college campuses and like if there'll be concerts down the line, um, those um, heavily dense um, populations or like events, if you're still out to wear a mask. I definitely think they are still gonna remain. Uh, I think what'll happen will kind of just turn into kind of like how people have been using face masks for years uh, when walking around in highly populated Asian countries. Um, maybe one of those were like, okay, out and about in the city, like you'll wear one, stuff like that. Um, that's all that was out of the norm for a lot of Asian cities, and mm -hmm. so I think that would start becoming more of a norm here in America because, like, even in our most densely populated urban cores, no one really wore it uh, until they were required to now. Gotcha. Do you find this is I didn't have this in the notes here, but do you find watching TV shows or movies or whatever that were done pre pandemic? when they're talking really close to one another, it really makes you uncomfortable because they don't have masks on. Like they're just breathing right in each other's faces. Yes, for me, it's like, I know that this happened before COVID, but I was actually talking in my leadership class about this. It's just awkward. I don't know, like, especially like concerts and stuff. It's just weird. And even like, I got like, um, Snapchat, how it gives you like Snapchat memories. And it'll say like two years ago on today, I was at, um, where did I go? A Drake and Migos concert. And it was, it was kind of cringy because I was like, oh my gosh, so many people was around me. But this time it was like, man, like those were days. Um, but yeah, I cringe just a little bit. Um, honestly, for me, like when it comes to like kind of that closeness, I kind of, I miss it. Like, a lot of that personal intimacy has been lost um, over the pandemic here. Um, we kind of touched about it in previous episodes, I know, but like, I just think like proximity is huge when it comes to, you know, human connection. And I'm, that's just something that a lot of people, me especially, have been like, been deficient on, you know, throughout this pandemic, because we literally can't <laughs> be that close to one another. So honestly, kind of miss it. I come from my perspective. Okay. Uh, two more ads will take over TikTok. True or false? True. Yes. Just to already kind of, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, when when the TikTok higher ups start start seeing that cash flow from all the ad revenue, there they won't be able to resist it. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get sick of it, and then we'll be on to the next thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I wonder if it's going to be like kind of like Twitch, where they'll sponsor certain um people i don't know if you call them influencers or whatever but the more popular ones start giving them sponsorships or wear this shirt that says tied or whatever um if it's a home improvement thing or something like okay um and then finally is this the year of the zombie apocalypse i'll hang up and listen oh goodness i sure hope not <laughs> And this was a, an actual. This was an actual listing, actually first on a, a Nostradamus uh, predicts page. So it was on the internet. So it must be. Actually, you know what? Yeah, well, no, it, it, true because it's gonna happen next year. It's gonna be like crazy side effect of the coronavirus vaccine turns uh -huh. into the zombies. I mean, World War Z all over again. So it's going to happen. That's the way it's going to be. Calling it right here. All right. Prove it's it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, no, God, please, please. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> That's just going to be very interesting. Like, 
over time within the next few years, seeing like the psychological effects of COVID-19, whether you had it or like your um, family members have had it and whatnot, like just seeing like those long-term effects is gonna be very interesting to look out for in the future. Okay. Um, any predictions for the university that you would like to see? in the fall season, in the fall season. We are in the fall, in winter and spring. I mean, I'm not sure if I'd like to see it, but I just don't know if we're gonna be coming back next year. I know we pulled a lot of strings and the bells and whistles in order to make a fall semester happen on campus this semester. Um, so I'm not sure if Rockers has the capacity to come back in the spring. Uh, I've been getting a lot of the, we've been getting like these text messages from the school, like asking you like, oh, right, like how your experience, you know, what, have you been getting those too? Yeah, I get those too. But um, yeah, basically like, you know, on a scale of like one to three, you know, how satisfied are you are with you know, how the COVID policies have been or uh, online, would you prefer online or stay at home? Which is, uh, they've been, already been, this has been going on since October. So they've been gauging to see where the students are standing. And I just don't know if we're going to have I know there's a big meeting with the with one of the boards this week, so I wonder if they're gathering info for that too. For what it's worth, I haven't heard anything that has said we wouldn't be back, but precautions are going to be pretty strict. Are they too strict? We had that come in actually a week ago for a topic um, to talk about. Our precautions too strict or are they the necessary things to keep us open? It's actually interesting because I work um, with ResLife to create a COVID-19 survey for people who have either been in isolation or quarantine or like quarantine in place and so um, we were able to get like students feedback and it's very mixed like I see like in some of the entries some people think that it's way too strict but as other people think that um, the university made the necessary adjustments. I would say in the beginning, I would probably think that it's too strict, but looking back now, because we were able to make it an entire semester, I think they um, were just fine because obviously there's some flaws in it, but overall, I think the university did a pretty good job because we actually were able to stay the entire semester and not every university was able to do that. So. I am a, I'm a results driven kind of guy and given like the COVID numbers, the school has, uh, you know, they're keeping us up to date with like, they're great. And like for you saying, we made it through the semester, yes. Um, for me personally though, uh, I have felt that the kind of culture around COVID-19 and the policies for the school have been too strict. Um, like Breers and there's there's people who have supported and have not as well pretty mixed with the school, but I I, I just can't get behind um, like the culture of ratting people out and bringing up names and kind of pressuring students into giving one another up um, throughout the semester. I just that's not the Rockers University that. I signed up for when I was a senior high school, not the one that I experienced when I was a freshman about, you know, caring for one another and that sort of thing. So that's just kind of where I personally fall. Um, in terms of like, they, they made the school like really great, like adding all the different um, social distancing stickers on the floor, adding a ton of um, like Purell dispensers around, love that, thermometers, love that. I just can't get on board with any institution that's wanting to have its members, which would be the students here for our part, ratting each other out um, for kind of anything, honestly. Um, I, I just don't like the culture that kind of breeds. It actually, um, I almost kind of forgot about that. Wasn't that like in an email that we got sent? I think it was after Halloween or something. It was and like in the later portion of October. Yeah, it when it was kind of at its biggest. Yeah, and like that's where I would say I see a flaw, um, especially people who get COVID, like whether it was um, after Labor Day or after Halloween, it's kind of like this stigma that you did something wrong, which is why you're in this predicament that you're in. And I feel like 
instead of jumping to the conclusion that, you know, this student did this wrong or they must have been at this party, they must have been over 10 people, whatever the case may be. Um, I think it's important to at least hear the student out to get the entire story because not everybody had to do something wrong to get COVID-19, you know. But I definitely think that was like a flaw. And that's actually um, some of the things that I've been hearing around campus from different people that they believe that just making that assumption that they did something wrong was not right. And the reason why I feel so strongly about it is because I've actually had two friends personally who were put through the ringer by the school because someone had sent their name in through the through the COVID-19 form. And both of them weren't even doing anything uh, on the night in question. And school didn't really believe them. They eventually cleared things up with evidence, but like two innocent people got, you know, had to be put through all of that just because someone submitted a name and I watched the most calls from that with those two and they didn't deserve it. It wasn't really fair, and no student deserves to have to deal with all of that, especially if they didn't do anything. So it's kind of where I stand on it. Not one of the topics for this week that was submitted on Instagram was spring break. So the thing about spring break this year is that there is no spring break this year, um, at least for a large amount of college students across the country and including Rockhurst. Uh, to counter it, there's an extra week or so of winter break this year. Um, what the goal is to minimize exposure by having people, when you are on campus, try to keep them on campus until the semester is over. So my question is, what, were your, what was your reaction when you first heard there wasn't going to be a spring break? And then has that, uh, has that evaluation of it changed at all? I would say for me, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Like, just like with fall break, like I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of them um, making the announcement. But I do have my qualms about how it was done. So, like, as far as, like, it's nice to have an extra week. Don't get me wrong. But me knowing that that week was spring break, it's, I don't know. I'm not very happy about it. And, like, I feel like it doesn't equal out to the same thing, meaning that, like, this you're adding on a week to a break where, you know, we're just working, we're chilling, we're at home, whatever the case may be, with our friends. Whereas like spring break, not only is it to have like an actual break from school, but you're able to fully detach yourself. And so putting that week right after winter break, it doesn't really do anything. I feel like it doesn't really add any benefit um, in my opinion. Um, and then as far as like my opinions about it now, I think there has been like some talk about having mental health break days where there's like um, a random day each month where um, students won't have like to go in-person classes, whatever the case may be. However, like to my knowledge, if they were to do that, I think it's gonna be randomized so that like, it's not gonna be on a Friday because they don't wanna encourage three-day weekends, but it will probably be in the middle of the week. And if that is the case, you won't know that much ahead of time because they don't want students to plan like outings and whatever the case may be. So if we do have it, we're gonna have them. It's just, we're not gonna really know exactly when they're gonna come up. And then also, I've also been told that um, whenever we have like, I guess, um, snow days, whatever the case may be, um, you know, it looks different with COVID-19 and everything, but they're still going to honor those snow days. So it'll actually be as if you don't have class. Um, now in the future, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> but as of right now, um, that's, what I, that's what I've been told. It's just a matter of them confirming it. But um, yeah, we're still, they're still going to honor those um, snow days as our mental health break days. We'll see how that goes or if that helps university and its students. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're still gonna honor snow days because I, I thought after this year, snow days are gonna be dead. So. <laughs> I think- They are for uh, public year, schools. I know. They're never gonna know what it's like to see your school's name pop up on the ticker on the local news station. <laughs> Those are the days. <laughs> um, for me, um, my experience with hearing about spring break being canceled was like two accounts of so double sadness because since um, my school schedule is tied with the College of Nursing, um, we like don't follow Rockhurst's like schedule um, to the letter. So Rockhurst dropped their email about it 
And then all the nursing students like, well, maybe we'll still have ours. And like two days later, they dropped pretty much like word for word, the, like a copy and pasted email, the exact same thing. Like, oh no. Um, as a senior, it's just kind of disappointing. I mean, obviously like not much you can do uh, when you're in the pandemic, but um, just knowing that we're not gonna be able to take the classic, you know, senior college spring break trip um, down to a beach or something just won't happen. That, that, that's just, yeah, another, another grievance in the very, very deep bucket of COVID-19, so. It seems like we have been stuck in that bucket of COVID-19, as Vince put it, forever. It's been since March. Uh, the year has been full of ups and downs, a lot of downs, but one of the ups was that we were able to get back on campus, and the majority of students at Rockhurst wanted to be back on campus. I think survey results said something like 97% students said it was a priority to be together on campus. So we decided that uh, through the Rockcast, which is by Rocker students, for Rocker students, as a means of sharing information from fellow students or to fellow students or to potential students, but also as a means of information to get to students. So we thought, could we get someone from the administration to talk about what went into uh, getting the campus reopened for the fall semester, and then what goes into keeping everyone healthy throughout the year. Uh, so we brought on Matt Quick uh, as a special guest. So without further ado, here's Matt Quick. We are pleased to be joined by Matt Quick, who is Dean of Students and VP of Student Development at Rockhurst. And Matt Quick has been at the forefront of the university's COVID uh, precautions and safety measures, um, making sure that we all stay healthy on campus. Uh, Matt, first of all, welcome to the Rockcast and thanks so much for joining us. It's really good to be with you, Chad. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So all universities this year have been tasked with just monumental goals of uh, can students have that on-campus experience this fall semester? Um, the primary goal, obviously, is to stay healthy, and those processes have been well documented, and certainly at Rockhurst. Uh, the students have expressed their desire to be on campus. I think a survey was near unanimous, you mentioned uh, earlier, um, with the students wanting to be on campus. So in order to do that and to keep everyone healthy, uh, that involves a lot of difficult decisions that uh, I certainly don't envy you guys for. Uh, would you mind talking about kind of what goes into those processes that, that have to be put into place to make sure A, everyone stays healthy and B, that the students wish to be on campus is respected and, and we do all we can to make that possible? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> sure, I'd be happy to uh, give you a few highlights of that, Chad. Uh, I'd say the first thing that uh, jumps out to me is we needed to have a group of internal campus leaders that came together and coordinated a plan for Rockhurst. And that really started uh, in March um, in, with full diligence. And I co-chair with Dr. D Doug Dunham, the provost, the pathway planning task force, which makes up these leaders uh, who have uh, led us through um, this, this time of change and adjustment in response to the pandemic. We also knew that uh, we could not do this ourselves, and it was important for us to connect with some external consultants that were um, experts in the field, and I would say the predominant ones that we've worked with, although there's been more than a handful, has included MRI Global, and uh, MRI Global is actually just down the street from Rockhurst, but they are infectious disease specialists, so they've handled everything uh, from Ebola to, to now COVID, um, and uh, they helped us to put together the plan for Rockhurst in terms of the official reopening and on-ground status uh, in the fall. Um, and uh, their guidance was tremendously helpful. The other group uh, that we've worked closely with is the Kansas City Health Department. And we ran all of our plans by the Kansas City Health Department 
and received their feedback on them, really with the hopes that we were not uh, missing any kind of key components, that we weren't over-responding or under-responding, that we were striking that right balance and being responsible community members, recognizing that what happens at Rockhurst also has a ripple effect across our entire city and indeed our states. Um, so, um, and uh, Dr. Dunham and I sit in on a weekly call with the Kansas City Health Dep Department even presently, uh, along with other local uh, colleges and universities. And I'd say that's probably our last resource that we've tapped into a lot is really kind of what has been best practice that we've seen at other colleges and universities and tried to extract those items that seem to fit Rockers the best. Okay. Now, as uh, students have been back on campus this fall, um, obviously some classes are online and hybrid and whatnot. Um, there have been uh, a couple instances where the university has had to step in in order to stop a potential spread of COVID as many universities do. Um, I've had to do this year, obviously. Uh, can you kind of talk about what goes into um, those difficult decisions of how do we keep this from spreading not only on campus, but throughout the city, Rockhurst is right in the middle of the heart of the city. Um, what goes into that and, and how difficult decisions those may be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think stepping back, one of the things that we needed to do was to be clear with students and our employees about what the expectations were in terms of uh, conduct, conduct that happened on campus as well as off campus. And so we started conveying that information uh, certainly as early as this summer, this past summer, um, and recognizing that um, many of these expectations are things that are really unfamiliar to us, um, especially during non-COVID times. So whether it's social distancing, mask wearing, limiting the numbers of people coming together, uh, things like that. Um, so first of all, we, we tried to communicate clearly. Um, then, you know, I think it's incumbent upon us um, to follow through on what we said. And so we need to follow through in terms of providing resources, uh, and we also need to follow through in terms of uh, enforcement. So uh, we did have a couple of incidents throughout the course of fall semester that particularly were alarming and of concern for us in terms of our community's well-being. Uh, that included some uh, events that occurred uh, prior just prior to the opening of our fall semester, and then again around the time of, of Halloween. Okay, and uh, if we're looking back on the results of, of what uh, took place, uh, was the university successful in keeping the students on campus as they wanted to be and, and uh, out of those incidents, uh, through quarantines, are you satisfied with the results that came out of that with, with no super spreader events having happened? Yeah, I mean, we're really grateful. Um, you know, we have thousands of people that are at Rockhurst between our students and employees, and um, we were able to keep our rates relatively low uh, over the course of the semester. Um, and that's not to say it wasn't hard work for a lot of people, including our first responders, our case managers, and a lot of difficult and courageous decisions that were made individually by our students and by our employees. And um, I hope that people hear our expressions of gratitude for the sacrifices that have been made that way. Um, at the same time, 
um, when I look back on um, the interventions that we did, especially on two different occasions, that pre-fall opening and then around um, around Halloween, um, first thing I'd say is um, I wanted to send those emails like the students wanted to <laughs> to receive them. Uh, that was just not a happy time for me, and uh, quite honestly. Uh, over those weekend periods and week-long periods, um, you know, there's been few times that I've worked as hard as I have. Um, I'm grateful that um, because of the actions that we took, especially with that early fall episode, um, we found out about uh, one event in particular approximately a third of those individuals ended up becoming COVID positive. And um, if we had not taken the action that we did at the time we did it in terms of quarantining them, uh, it could have been a super spreader event. And a matter of fact, the um, Kansas City Health Department labeled it as such. Um, they, they viewed it as a uh, super spreader that we were able to contain. Um, so uh, fast forward to Halloween when we ended up reaching out again to students, you know, I just looked at that email this morning and, you know, the, the title of it is, was essentially, we care about you all. <laughs> and that was the, the foundation of our outreach and our action. And again, I think because of the quarantine efforts that had a, a large impact on a number of people, um, I think because of those sacrifices that were made by us as administrators and by the students that actually did the quarantining, we were able to head off a, a potential super spread that could have sent us home uh, much earlier. So I'm grateful for that. The one thing about COVID is COVID can turn on a dime. Uh, so one day you can think things are just fine and rosy, and then the next day uh, you can have a fairly significant outbreak. Um, so we approach our work with um, the seriousness and the humility that it deserves. Excellent. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for all you're doing to help keep us safe and uh, the Rockcast is a, a podcast for Rockhurst students. So to the Rockhurst students out there, I know we, we were talking earlier, a lot of students are on the front lines of you know providing food for folks. They, they need jobs, obviously, um, keeping the economy going, things like that. And they're certainly not immune from it, but they have been taking precautions and we appreciate all they do. So again, Matt, just wanna say thanks and uh, have a great Christmas. You do the same. Thanks, Chad. We are coming up on winter break, um, and this is the last show before winter break. Any plans? Any, anything to get away from it a little bit? For me, I don't have any plans. Like, now it's kind of like DIY, like my family. So we're redoing our basement. So that's kind of mm. like a, we're working on. So we're not really going anywhere. Um, however, it's all based upon the um, climate in January as far as like COVID-19, everything happening. But as of right now, my plan is to be in DC on the day of inauguration. Um, so we'll just see how everything plays out with that. But as of right now, that's my plan. Interesting. That'll be real. That'd be really cool. Never seen a presidential inauguration in person. I don't think I've seen it on TV before. <laughs> Props to you. <laughs> I just see like pictures from it on like social media like the next day. No, that'd be cool because it's like it's just it's just it's historic. So I mean, you only get every four years. So, um, uh, starting the weekend after school ends, uh, I'm going to Winter Park in Colorado to do a snowboarding trip with a buddy of mine. Ooh, um, nice. Socially distanced sport, so. <laughs> Other than that, it's going to be uh, applying for jobs, actually, over break for me. Cool. Very good. And then finally, um, the best part of the holidays is? 
what? Not having a list. Not having a list of things to do. Um, every day for school, it's always like, all right, what do I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Like, there's always something, a long list. You have to start crossing stuff on. I have to study for this, go buy groceries here, and then over break, that all just stops. You own your time. The time is yours. So I just feel like it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders. And it's just like, it's what it is. It's break. You have, you have a chance to relax and get away from it all. So that's what I'm really awesome. For sure, you're able to have a more free spirit, um, which is something that I really like to have, but with the schedule, it makes it really hard. So I would definitely say that. Um, and then like spending time with family, like I like cooking and eating, but Thanksgiving was <laughs> lots of fun. So um, kind of being able to do those. I know like, um, I know every year my family, we do like a seafood New Year's. We kind of like try to have like, a theme. Um, I'm very excited about that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yes, I, I cool. All right. Well, those are two. Now I really want seafood. <laughs> uh, well, um, I know where I'm going to go for dinner then. Uh, all right. Well, guys, uh, thanks for uh, jumping on today. And for your work at the podcast this fall, and we'll be back next year, 2021. So for Brianna and Vince, uh, this is Chad Schneider. Uh, have a happy holidays, everyone. Stay safe. Stay healthy.